If you ain't growing, you're dying. So let's grow a little bit today as we discuss a new commit for Mike Boynton's basketball squad. Conference realignment is certainly not dead. And why do we do what we do? You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You can find me on Twitter at AllDayO State. We're available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. Hi, y'all. So we've got a few things to cover today. It's my son's 16th birthday today, so I've got a lot of things rocking and rolling. But I wanted to make sure to get a couple uh, videos out today on this channel. And realistically, you know, a lot of the things that I'm seeing in regards to the conference realignment are, again, yes, smoke and mirrors. But sometimes I, my aggressive stance on the Pac-12 may, may not be viewed as uh, completely impartial. So we're going to try another crack at it. But another thing that I typically get asked is, you know, why do you do exactly what you do, right? And for me personally, my, my perspective has always been in regards to content, right? And at one point in time in my life, I knew I personally could not afford for all of the, the paying sites. Yes, there are a lot that you can pay for. And yes, there's a lot that you can pay for that give you some information about Oklahoma State University. But even when I was happily paying for, whether it be Scout or 247, right, the rivals, uh, O-State Illustrated, Pope's Report, whatever it may be, I noticed that it was, traditionally speaking, a lot of the same information through multiple platforms. So even then, I always ask myself, well, is, is it worth paying for all of these different sites? Couldn't I just pay for one and get the same information? And the answer to that question, unfortunately, is traditionally from what I found is yes. And I understand that people got to make a living. I mean, hell, so do I. But it always bothered me that whether it be due to constraints put on local media or just lack of information or, or lack of objectivity from coaching staff as far as what they let get out and not get out. I, I never really knew, but I did know that it bothered me right? But die hard, bleed orange. But financially, not everybody in the world can pay for all of these sites. And if you are going to pay for all of the sites, and I'm not knocking you if you do, I mean, I still do to some degree as well. But it just, it always bothered me. It always bothered me that there was not information that could get out to the masses on a consistent basis, right? If you talk about the constraints put on local media, even then, guys, you still have to go pay to read the Tulsa World and pay to read the Daily Oklahoman. So once again, if you don't have the ability to go through all these paywalls, the only way you could get information was third hand or just by showing up to Stillwater, Oklahoma and, and walking into Boone Pickens Stadium on game day. Other than that, 
you were really pushed back into the corner with what was happening in Stiller, Oklahoma. And again, it just really always chapped my high. But uh, anywho, I just I wanted to put it out there, right? I always wished and hoped and prayed and wondered, like, why can't information get dispersed to the masses for free? And this is where Locked On comes in, guys. Locked On is kind of in rarefied air. They, they realize that it is slightly unnecessary to completely pigeonhole every fan base from understanding what's happening, right? Your fan base cannot grow if it's being stifled or if, you know, people simply have to pay in order to get information. Locked On pays me. So you don't have to pay for all of these different various resources of content if you don't want to, or more importantly, if you can't right now, if you can't do it, you still deserve to get the information that's out there. And you also deserve to get information that's not always on the quote unquote approved information list. I am very well aware that we are kind of upsetting the uh, the apple cart here, right? The narrative process of procurement uh, to keep alliances inside, if you will. I-, I know that we're upsetting that apple cart. I get it. But I know I'm not the only fan who's ever wished for more unfiltered, uncontrolled, unadulterated quality content. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm so blessed to be able to do so with such an amazing company like Locked On. Like, it really is fun to see all this every day. And the growth, like I said, is fun. So let's talk about our growth a little bit here. We have hit on conference realignment a few times. And I've thrown some shots at the Pac-12. I felt they were 100% realistic and, and, and necessary, but it's fine. I don't mind diving in at a little bit of a different type of clip. So we're going to try that today. But real quick, I do have to talk about Mike Boynton uh, landing a commitment from Michael Marsh. He's a six foot 11, 240 pound forward out of Jacksonville University. Averaged 10.5 points a game, uh, almost five rebounds a game. He had 5.4 rebounds a game last season, but he only put up like 8.7 points a game. So the points have gone up. Now, both years, he was 51, 55% from the, the floor. So he's not a guy that's going to be shooting it from 15, 17 foot. He's definitely not a guy that's ever going to jack up a three. Does he equal what we're losing in Moose Cisse? Absolutely not. Like, it's just not, not, not going to happen. But it doesn't mean that we didn't find a diamond in the rough here. I'm still not done sifting through some of the film stuff on him. So the reason I have some high hopes here, right? We kind of covered Justin Kirkland's original commitment. And the difficulty to diagnosing Justin Kirkland was There's not a lot of film out there, right? There's not like a bunch of highlight clips. There's a bunch of little clips, 16-second clip, 42-second clip, 39-second clip that you kind of got to sift through. And you also got to watch a 15-minute commercial before every single one of these 30-second clips. So it takes some time. So I didn't know what we had in Justin Kirkland, which is why I thought maybe he was going to be a developmental guy that was going to take some time to shed some weight and, and get ready to rock and roll. That was not the case. So those little bitty 16-second clips, 29-second clips, 30-second clips, they were able to tell a story, but nowhere near the same story as physically in person. 
So maybe Michael Marsh can be that for us. Because on the stat sheet, it's not going to blow you away. I mean, averaged uh, 24, 25 minutes a game, which for a big man, I mean, that's fairly common. You would maybe hope at Jacksonville University he would have had more productivity. But you can't teach that size. And we'll be honest, we didn't use our big men very well this last season. So it's not like this is reinventing the wheel by any stretch of the imagination if we don't use him for an offensive uh, strong suit. It, it, it is what it is. But I do think it is a big get, not just because he's actually big. It serves a purpose. It fills a void. Tyreek Smith is gone. Mr. Cisse is obviously likely gone. And uh, Bernard Kuma. So we don't have a big man. Our only big man is the McDonald's All-American coming in, Brandon Garrison. And he's only six foot nine. He does have a frame to grow a little bit, right? He could potentially put on 30, 40 pounds, maybe gain an extra inch throughout his time in college. But he's not going to be a true center at any point in time in his career. Michael Marsh might be. Is he going to score buckets and bunches? No, probably not. Is he going to out-athlete everybody? Absolutely not. But he provides something that we do need. You have to have some size, no matter how it shakes out, right? Even if you go look at the Ibrahim and Thomas days. Before he was a very important part of the starting lineup, he was brought in at certain moments when we were having a hard time defending other centers. So having a big dude is important, even if he's not a daily 30-minute-a-game guy even if he's only a 13-minute-a-game guy. It's still something that you absolutely have to have. Um, another thing that you absolutely have to have, I know you guys already know, but it's Built Bar. Guys, if you ever wake up looking for a delicious snack and you don't want all the sugar and all the calories and all that crapola, then you need the best-tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try Built Bar if you haven't already, right? There's a lot of reasons that they are amazing. One, obviously, being that it's a protein bar that legitimately tastes good and is still good for you. Built Bars are healthy and the taste is unmatched. If you haven't tried them yet, you're missing out. And they come in unbelievable flavors, right? We've talked about the churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, and my personal favorite, obviously, is the cookies and cream, but uh, they, they continue to bring out new flavors as we did this last Saturday. And how Belt works is if you want this in your life, just run to a Walmart. If you want the bulk version, just run to a Sam's. You can go to your local Walmart today and get your specialty flavors, or you can go to Built.com. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can grab a four-bar box of my favorite, cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, coconut puff, the list goes on and on. Or you can go grab yourself a 13-bar box at Sam's Club. Make sure you hit all those flavors, right? The peanut butter batter brownie is pretty good. The churro buff is pretty good. To me, it doesn't beat the cookies and cream, but your taste buds might be a little bit different than mine. Okay, so... Conference realignment. And no, I'm not going to completely tear down the Pac-12 just by, you know, saying they're dead conference walking or, or whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to view this, again, objectively. So let's, let's, let's lay this out here. The Big 12 has a new deal. And the Big 12 deal was done early. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 
had the same offer. They had a standing offer that was virtually the same as the Big 12s, right? It could potentially creep up into the 35, 38 million range, a pop. And they turned it down. Not only did they turn it down, but shortly thereafter, George Klyovkov, the the Pac-12 commissioner, decided to say some things like, you know, throwing shade at the Big 12, like, um, yeah, I don't know if we're going shopping there or not yet, right? Just the puffing of the chest was completely unnecessary. And all it did was make Brett Yormark look even better. Because as I've made the analogy before, the chest to checkers, this is a logical comparison. I'm not bashing George Klyovkov. He put himself in this position. They could have had the same money as the Big 12, almost identical. But they got greedy. They saw what the Big 10 got. And they do. They fancy themselves like the Big 10. They legitimately seem to have this understanding of their conference and their individual universities as being on par with the Big Ten. So they legitimately thought that they were going to get in that neighborhood of, of money. And they've kind of put themselves running backwards now. Right. And, and you are hearing a significant amount of posturing from multiple Big 12 sources or Pac-12, sorry, sources. And now you're hearing that San Diego State has come out and said, we're either going to the Big 12 or the Pac-12. And you've heard me say on this channel, I would prefer to have San Diego State in the conference over Utah. Because Utah acts as pretentious, snobby, snuck up as some of the other schools. And a, a big thing that seems to be brought up consistently in regards to the saving grace for the Pac-12 is the academia side of things. But let's be realistic. Your research ability pales in comparison to what you're actually getting from the athletic side of things. Now, now I understand that some of these ADs, chancellors, presidents, right, they, they have meetings when they go from state to state and they talk about different things in regards to academia. Right. And, you know, the Big Ten likes to fancy its member applications on some of the AAU accreditation stuff. The AAU accreditation stuff and the academia side of things, it's becoming less and less and less important. And this is not me, again, throwing shade at those prestigious universities who do monitor themselves off of the academia side of things. So some of those places, are never going to be a good fit for the Big 12, no matter how you slice it. But people also tend to forget that ag schools are, I don't know, kind of important. Because if ag schools didn't exist, then we wouldn't be eating food. And I think sustenance in your body is kind of important. But that's why I find it comical almost when the Pac-12 acts so sanctimonious that they're just so much better than everybody else. The fact that they legitimately view themselves in the same light as the Big Ten is part of the problem. The Pac-12 needs to be realistic. And 
This is coming down to a dollars and cents thing. It doesn't really matter how many doctors you put out there. OU's good at that. It matters about production because production equals dollars, not for research, not for doctors, but for athletics. Is there an academia center in the world that makes more money than any football program? Probably not. Probably not in the Power Five level, at least. So why is the Pac-12 pretending that having very good academics is still part of the process here? Because with the NIL transfer market and everything that you're seeing in the NCAA, having less and less and less ability to do things, right? Does it not lend itself for everybody to see that this is a business? And business is good when your athletic programs are good, primarily football. Football drives the bus. Football makes the money. So to me, if you know that you had the ability to secure roughly the same contract as the Big 12, but you thought you were too good for that contract, and then after USC and UCLA leave the conference, you still are presenting yourselves like you're going to get way more than the Big 12. And then you find out that uh, ESPN and Fox are starting to get a little wishy-washy. And then you hear one of them backs out completely of the deal. And then you hear the other one is backing out now completely as well. As much shade as people want to throw at us for appearing on ESPN+, Plus, which is a streaming service, it is still in the family of what? ESPN Networks. So just like our buddy Josh Neighbors said uh, in a recent show, it really matters whenever you're looking at the business side of things because you can act any way you want. But what drives the bus? And if you had those opportunities and you decided not to, and now you're hearing that you're streaming only, there's no linear TV for Apple. There isn't. So if you want to throw shade at some of the Big 12 schools appearing on ESPN+, Plus, okay, that's fine. It still gives us access to ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ABC. Apple TV gives you access to none of those things. So it does matter. Linear TV does still matter. Geographical location clearly is not much of a thing anymore. It doesn't matter. NIL makes it to where these young men are making business decisions when they go to a college now. Legitimately speaking, it used to be what degrees does that university also offer me, right? But it's not, it's not the same anymore. We cannot continue to believe that this is 2005. And that's the difference between the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Brett Yormark is a genius. He knew where the Big 12 stood. And when he took over, let's face it, guys, the Big 12 was viewed as below the Pac-12. And the reason I wanted to have this 
quote unquote calm Cody show without throwing a bunch of shade at the Pac-12 is because I want it to be known that I don't have any ill will for the conference per se. It's the attitude. And if you want to continue to prop yourself up as an academia-based conference, then that's fine. But you can also not expect or even entertain the idea that every team in the Pac-12 is going to stay. Would they like to? Yes. The Pac-12 doesn't want to break up. I get that. But does Arizona, Colorado, Arizona State, and maybe Utah, do they want to take a massive haircut just to stay in, in the conference? It just it doesn't make sense financially. And that's what people are pretending isn't part of this equation. If it's only a $5 million per team difference, then yeah, the Pac-12 probably doesn't have much of a reason. Or do they? Because security matters. All, all we all see is the fact that Oregon and Washington are controlling this thing way more than George Klyovkov is. To be 100% realistic with you, I'm not even sure how George Klyovkov even has a job. The poor man has inserted his foot in his mouth time and time again. And every month that goes by, the chances for the Pac-12 to get close to the Big 12 financially are getting less and less and less. But you're still hearing some Pac-12 media people say that uh, there's beauty in waiting. Right. So far, the waiting game has gotten you pushed further and further and back. If ESPN won't mess with you, if Fox won't really mess with you, and now you're down to contemplating whether you want to be on the CW network and Apple, that conversation should be done out of your own mouth. If you're hanging on to the idea, that you're going to have enough 4.0 GPA students to keep your football program afloat. I just, I think you're selling yourself short. You're selling your conference short. It is what it is. They had opportunities. They chose to purposefully say, nope, we're better than all these. We don't want all of those. We want Big Ten money. And now you've put yourself in a position that the only schools you have that have any weight from a football perspective are either leaving or contemplating leaving. So, yeah, I didn't want to just come out and, you know, Pac-12 is a dead conference walk and, and just be super aggressive. Because to put it in the context, they are their own point of demise. They did this to themselves and it started with their commissioner. And we in the Big 12, we've been there. We've had a commissioner that sat on his hands and did nothing. But the difference was he wasn't out there saying crazy stuff that allowed people to pull receipts and laugh. And that's what it is, guys. George Klyovkov has turned into a laughing stock when it comes to this realignment topic. I do hope the Pac-12 survives. But 
the way that they act in regards to the Big 12, it really makes it hard to feel bad for what's what's going on. They might survive for a few more years, maybe. I highly doubt it. There's just, there's no way financially. If they're talking, and I'm hearing some $12 million a school apart, as much as $18 million a school apart, who's going to stay in the Pac-12? And you are hearing that the schools that are considering possibly leaving have no desire to be an uneven revenue share. So Oregon and Washington aren't going to be happy with that. So again, regardless, stability matters. Brett Yormark secured our deal when he did because of what? Security. And now that also gives us more leverage to have a conversation with the San Diego State University, which puts somebody like a Utah in in an odd spot. We know we want Arizona. We know we want Colorado. Uh, I think Arizona State is very logical. I think Utah, if Utah was smart, they would be in this mix. But if it's San Diego State instead of Utah, y'all know I'm I'm a happy camper. If the Pac-12 survives somehow, okay, great. It still doesn't change the fact that you have the SEC is number one, the Big Ten is number two, and the Big 12 is number three by quite a bit. So, not being super negative, not being loud, not throwing shade. I'm just calling a spade a spade. There is no way these teams are going to be willing to take a 10, 12, 15 million dollar a school cut compared to the Big 12. I mean, the ACC is already livid that the University of Central Florida is going to be making more money than them. So, it does matter. And the academia, how many 4.0 GPA students you have, it doesn't matter when these boys are making business decisions. They're not coming to school anymore for degrees. They're coming to school as a business now. So again, security matters. And that's what the Big 12 has and the Pac-12 doesn't have. And if they're leaning on the CW and, you know, Apple streaming without any linear capabilities, that's why I say they're a dead conference walking. That's all we got for this one. So let me know down in the comments what you think about this realignment conversation. And who would you rather have? To join, would you rather have San Diego State in over Utah or vice versa? Let me know down in the comments. So, we got for this one, as always, I love you all. God bless. Go, Pokes. And as always, catch y'all on the next one. Later.